Hey, what's up, listeners of Unapologetic Leadership? I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Out of the thousands of podcasts that exist, I am greatly appreciative of the fact that you took the time to listen to this one. If you want to find out more about the work that I do, please visit me at drmarcusbeland.com. There you can find information about uh, professional development opportunities as well as keynote speaking opportunities. If you are planning a conference or a district kickoff or you would like me to come visit your school district, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. There's contact information there and I would love to come and visit and hang out with you. Again, thank you for listening to Unapologetic Leadership. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. What's up, listeners of Unapologetic Leadership? It's Dr. Beeland. Hey, I'm back. It's been a minute. Uh, It has been... Uh, it's been busy. We are here ending the first semester um, of the 23-24 school year. And you all know as a building principal uh, or as a school leader, man, things just tend to move very quickly. And I cannot believe we are at the end of 23, um, end of the first semester. Uh, but I couldn't leave 23 without bringing some people onto the podcast. I got Dr. Marcus Stewart. Um from Kansas. And let me tell you, I've kind of been following the work. Uh, he's been very active uh, on Twitter, um, serving as, as the executive director for elementary schools in Kansas City. Uh, but I'm not going to get too deep into it because I'm going to let him just kind of share what's going on. But uh, really quickly before I hop in or before we hop in, I definitely want to give some shout outs to all of the people who have supported the the uh, podcast uh, this year and has has joined and has been a part of just some of the feedback and the growth of uh, the network of podcasters out there. Uh, thank you all so much for your support of just the work that happens here of, of sharing the stories and listening and and again providing that feedback. Uh, we gonna it's gonna be a great twenty four. Got some great things coming, so definitely stay tuned to that. Um, some speaking engagements, really getting out and taking this thing kind of out there to uh, school districts and to school leaders, as well as um, leadership teams across the country. Uh, so that's just kind of the work that I've been hopping into, and I love it. But at the end of the day, I love being with kids. Um, Dr. Stewart, hey, man, welcome to the show. Hey, man, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm uh... Looking forward to being with, here with you tonight. Yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, thank you for hopping on. We we connected just recently uh, on Twitter. Um, I reached out to him and I said, hey, Dr. Stewart, hey, man, I just want you to be on the show, period. And within minutes, uh, Dr. Stewart agreed and said, man, let's just let's do this. So um, I'm excited uh, to, to learn a little bit about the work that you do, um, especially at the elementary level. Um, and and what you are doing to change education. So if you could just kick us off by just sharing with uh, our listeners, who is Dr. Stewart? All right, uh, Dr. Stewart is a little country boy uh, from Pensacola, Florida. Uh, been in education for 23 years, started out as a teacher, uh, transitioned uh, into administration, probably into my fifth year as a literacy coach and um, went on, kind of went on from there, had an opportunity to serve 
uh, Alabama, um, Kansas City, Missouri, um, Detroit, Michigan, Atlanta, Georgia. And the last couple of years, I've been here in Kansas City, Kansas, as the executive director of uh, elementary schools. Uh, over my career, I've been a turnaround principal, so I go into uh, the lowest performing schools and have done some significant work there and helping to elevate those schools uh, in Detroit, notably. I think Detroit, and I'll tell this to anyone, uh, my greatest experience was in Detroit, uh, going into a building where for the first 30 days, I was the only employee. And so having an opportunity to hire my entire staff from, you know, from custodial staff to teachers, I mean, it was an amazing experience. Uh, inherited a school that was on the state's persistently lowest achievement list since it opened in 2004. And the team that we put together uh, did some amazing work, and uh, we were able to have that school removed uh, from that list in about a year and a half time. Um, transitioned there uh, from there. I'm, I'm, again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm from Pensacola, Florida. So um, grandmother uh, had dementia and was getting worse and wasn't a lot of people in the area that could pretty much assist her. So I had to put myself geographically closer to her. So ended up going to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, serving as a principal of Harper Archer Middle School. Uh, to give you a little backstory about Harper Archer Middle School, uh, there were 17 principals in 10 years. Uh, when I arrived, yeah, <laughs> it's like that. When I arrived, Seven, seventeen, like that's that's yeah. not even just hitting double. That's high double digits. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. And when I got there, I was the third in a year. So I ended up starting in January of 2015. Wow. Uh, my first day on the job, uh, as kids are coming in, they basically told me we're gonna make you quick like the rest of the people. Mm. Um, so I'm. I, I'm a young Thundercat at that time. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm not afraid of y'all. Uh, but it was definitely a challenging building. I will say that uh, we were able to accomplish a few things. We were not able to accomplish everything that we set out, but we did, you know, leave the school in a positive manner. Um, the district made a decision um, in the middle of my tenure uh, that they were going to right size some schools. And so our schools, unfortunately, at that time was closed. And so the beautiful thing about that, I got to, uh, as, as I said, it was a middle school. I got to transition to the high school with my kids. And so uh, it was a beautiful thing being able to see them from sixth grade and being able to see them graduate high school as a 12th grade as a senior. So that was a cool thing. Uh, ended up, uh, I got kind of, I felt like I kind of hit a wall with my career um, and wanted to do something different. Um, and during the pandemic, uh, my hometown, had an opening for a superintendent. And I'm like, oh, wow, this would be a dream come true to go back to my hometown and to be able to lead the district. Um, out of the 27 people who applied, I made it down to the uh, to the final five. Um, and when the board made decisions as, as far as who was going to move forward, um, I was knocked out. And so I listened to their feedback. And it was like, well, he's you know done some really good things as far as in the building. But at that time, I had never been a district leader. Mm -hmm. So uh, that just really made me think, you know, why am I continuing to look for principal positions? You know, now it's time maybe to take that shift and get to the district office. So made a decision, man, you know, you know, talking with family, um, you know, I had I, I left my family uh, uh, to pursue a position in Decatur, Illinois. And so the unique thing about it, man, I actually uh, I work part time for Delta Airlines. So uh, at the time, I was only working one day a week. And so 
I would go to work in Illinois from Monday through Friday, Friday afternoon. I would catch the plane and I'm going home to see family. Uh, wow. And I'm actually still doing that to this day. I've been gone for two and a half years now. So at this point in my career, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to move family here to Kansas or should I get myself back? So, you know, I have two kids that are in college. I have a senior in high school right now uh, who will be graduating in Maine. I have a 10-year-old. So um, just now things are really getting the perspective. Like I need to get my family back under one roof. Yeah. So, so wait, 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 wait. You'd work during the day, during the week, Monday mm -hmm. through Friday mm -hmm. and catch the flight on Friday and then yep. turn right back around either on Sunday night and come back. Yep. And doing it for two and a half years, man. You know, the opportunities, unfortunately, um, those opportunities wow. go, uh, were not in Atlanta. Um, and so, I again, I hit a wall. I became frustrated and was getting depressed uh, mm -hmm. because the opportunities weren't there. And so uh, my wife, you know, she blessed me and was like, hey, you have this benefit where you can fly. Why don't you just come home on the weekends? And it's it's worked out. It's worked out. Wow. That's <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. Like, I, prior to us uh, hopping on here, I was I was telling uh, Dr. Stewart just uh, one of the things that we uh, we do at Huntley is we connect uh, kids to the field of education through means of like internship classes, mm -hmm. uh, educational observations, and so forth. Really, just helping them understand what the teaching profession is. Um, and kids who want to get into um, into the profession as well as move up in the profession into administration. And so we try to give different perspectives. But really for for aspiring school leaders, aspiring uh, educators to really uh, understand that who we are is, is human, not just the title. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I appreciate you sharing that perspective uh, and really understanding that like family is really at the center of 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 who we are, um, leading buildings of of kids uh, and trying to create that family atmosphere in the building or in the spaces in which we work in the educational setting uh, is always a goal, uh, developing those relationships and so forth. And so I, I appreciate you you sharing that. If you could talk a little bit, um, I want to, I want to, I want to connect to the turnaround, okay. um, era of your life because growing up near Chicago, there's a lot of, of, of schools that I've heard about just being a turnaround. I haven't been a part of a turnaround, but it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting story and a perspective. So for 30 days, right, you literally were the only person hiring or being, you know, getting this school ready, um, ready to go. So talk about that journey. Um, what did it feel like? What was it? What was it like? What were some of the the challenges? What were some of the successes? Because um, I know that that was that was a journey. Oh, man, it, it definitely was. Uh, the whole hiring process itself was was a challenge, man. It felt like uh, it's almost like a reality show. Uh, we were. Um, they uh, posted positions for 15 schools. So we uh, went in uh, to Detroit Public Schools. They had an initiative uh, where the state had come in and taken over some schools uh, in Detroit, and there was no improvements on academics. And so uh, the governor then, uh, and they, they worked with uh, the Michigan State University uh, to develop this big document or whatever 
uh, to create what's called the Education Achievement Authority of Michigan. And so uh, this uh, entity uh, did not operate under the means of doing anything traditional. And so we were brought in. So they uh, decided initially they were going to come in and start with Detroit public schools and take over, acquire 15 of the lowest performing schools in Detroit. And eventually the goal was to spread out across the state of Michigan to acquire all of the failing schools. Well, um, the initial 15 schools that they uh, posted probably had over 500 people apply across the country. And so uh, they went, we went through a rigorous interview process, man. It was a two-day interview. Um, and it was, I, I left there, I'm like, I didn't get this, I, I, I didn't get this job. And uh, they reached out and offered me the position. And so we started, we had to come in in June. Uh, we spent about 30 days just um, understanding what we were uh, getting ourselves into. Um, we had did you did you know what you were getting when you heard turnaround? Like, did you did you say, "Oh man, like this is what I want to do"? Did you really know what you were getting yourself into at that point? Uh, yes, yeah, I had done turnaround previously before. Okay, uh, when I was in Kansas City, Missouri, the first time. So and then also every school I've gone in, it may not have the label as turnaround, but it's been turnaround. I don't mm -hmm. know like to be in a school that has that's has high academic proficiency levels. I don't know what that is, you know, starting out. So yeah, I, I knew what it was, uh, but understanding we had a lot of stuff we dealt with, man, like uh, the month before school started, um, all of our funding was taken away. Title one funds. Yeah. Uh, it was the political side, political landscape in Michigan. There were a lot of individuals who were against this, this new school district, you know, Democrat and Republicans. Uh, it was pushed by pushed by a Republican governor, uh, Rick Snyder at the time. This was one of his brainchilds, along with um, these other external agencies who were bringing in funding. And so we lost Title One funds. So man, it was to the point when we started school and we didn't have copy paper. It was that bad. Wow. Yeah. So so how do you how do you create uh, you know, people who don't understand that concept of not having um you know and going to the school years all, all the new things uh, you know the culture is there the uh people have at least um past years to kind of build on and when you're hiring a new team you're a school that is considered lowest performing you don't have the resources and the funds to be able to just go in and move mountains and do what you need to do. How do you create that culture and give people just even the hope to say, man, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to step in as a teacher and I'm going to do this thing. How do you, how do you lead that? Yeah, I think for me, it goes with my personality. I'm a go-getter. I, you know, I don't believe, in, I believe in removing barriers. And so uh, when, you know, we found out we weren't going to have funding, we didn't have resources. Then I started, you know, Going, reaching out to other community partners. Hey, can you all help us? And so, uh, and I just, I believe in inspiring people. You know, one thing in our role is we're big on academics, but none of those things happen unless you're able to inspire people and people want to come and work and, and join your team. And I have to say, we had a really, really good team. You know, I was able to hire those individuals based on, I told them the truth. I said, there's people in the community who don't want us here. You know, there are kids that don't want us here. And so when I shared, I was very transparent with those individuals. And um, I mean, I had people honestly beat my door down to come work at Brenda Scott Academy. 
uh, at the end of the day because of the culture that we created. Uh, this school had, uh, before we got there, had one of the highest out-of-school suspension rates in the city among K-8 schools. Um, they was, what I was told by uh, our chief of staff, he said, before we got to that building, our kids were so challenging. There was a high school in our backyard. The middle school kids would get out of school and go beat up the high school kids. I mean, it was crazy, man. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> the middle part. school kids. Yeah, the middle school kids. Would get kids. out of school. To go, go to the high, high school. school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's backwards, but wow. Yeah. yeah. So, man, okay. just uh, I think one of the key things that really kind of helped teachers to see what we were doing, we did a tour of the community. So I put them all on the bus. Oh, yeah. And we drove around the community. This is east side of Detroit. I mean, it's rough. You know, that zip code, 42205 at the time, had the highest crime rate in the United States. And so we did a tour of the community. We walked, we knocked on doors. We got to introduce ourselves to families. So we started those relationship building, that relationship building before school started. So that, to me, I had to let my teachers know, even though they were not from that community, you're going to be a part of this community. You're going to be invested in this community. So mm -hmm. we weren't just a Monday through Friday school. You know, we did things on the weekend. We did things on Sundays just to create opportunities for our children in the community. And so, uh, I believe, you know, when I think about going back to your question, my personality, my care and concern and compassion for the work, I conveyed that to the people who I recruited. And uh, they jumped on board, man, and they ran hard. They ran yeah. hard. So let's stay, let's stay here for a minute. Like, I'm big on, you know, the, the social-emotional care of our kids uh, as well as our staff. Because if our staff isn't ready to welcome mm -hmm. and serve kids, um, kids will see that. They'll come in, and then it's just this hamster wheel of, like, nobody's nobody's ready to serve anybody or do anything. How right. did you – seeing what – people who aren't a part of the community that come in, they get on this bus, they hop around, and they really see the reality of, like, where their kids come from, and they start to see those – the stories and the facades that are up. Um, how do you help them in a leadership role – move past that and and feel good about themselves coming into work, but giving them, I guess, really the the juice to say, you know, even though it looks bad, like this is what we can do. How do you give them that I can do mindset? I think you have to you have to lead by example. Um you have to get in there and get in the trenches with them uh to help. Like, you know, when we didn't have materials, man, I was again knocking on people's doors. As we get things, I would go in and help teachers set their classrooms up. My leadership team, we were all hands-on. And oh. so just, you know, when people when people were falling, our job was to be there to help pick them up and lift them up. Uh, but, you know, that, that, um, those type qualities uh, were infectious throughout our building. Again, I think I do research. I talk about, it always talks about how the leader impacts the culture of the building. And so I we started out, man, just letting everyone know that we believe in them. We're going to be committed. We're going to be with you step by step to make sure that you're successful. Um, and we were a district, honestly, that didn't have unions. So uh, and that, you know, in Michigan, that was unheard of. So, but I didn't have any issues as far as teachers resisting anything that I put out there because they believed in, in me. Uh, just like I believed in them, 
And if I say let's run through this wall, as long as I was the first one running through the wall, <laughs> they were going to be right there. <laughs> so it's just, you know, um, my passion for the work, uh, I conveyed that to them. And as I interviewed them, I could weed out who I felt like were were there for the kids and who were just there to collect the paycheck. I could mm -hmm. just, in the conversation, I could tell. And so I was able to really pick a really good team. And when I tell you, man, those individuals, most of them now are uh, assistant principals or principals or coaches. Uh, and, you know, that work we did in Detroit, man, was by far my greatest accomplishment ever. Wow. Yeah, man, that's um, – I applaud you um, and applaud that team uh, for, one, accepting the challenge. Um, and not too many people that could pick up the phone, get that phone call like, hey, I want you to consider, you know, a turnaround school. What's that? You know what I mean? Like, you, there's some people knowing what they know about turnaround, like, yeah, no, nah, I don't want that. That's a mind, that's a that's a mountain to climb. Uh, and I think it tests not I, I don't think I know that it tests the leader uh, because you do have to do some out of the box thinking mm -hmm. um, because all eyes are on you. Uh, people expect uh, you don't want to be one of the 17 uh, mm -hmm. that come in that, that that is in the revolving door and people see it as a game. Right. Because at the end of the day, this these are our babies, our kids, man, they their educational future is on the line based off of the decisions that we make and how we lead buildings. And when you start at the bottom and knowing that the only way to go, knowing the only way to go is up. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, wow. That's man. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to picture myself in the situation, you know, as well of like really helping kids see what's possible. Um, but knowing that you don't really have a lot of time, you got a lot of time to build. It's like building a plane and flying at the same time. And that runway for kids, man, is short. Mm. And if we don't act, you know, didn't act, then we're continuing that same cycle of, of failure. And we had to make sure that now I would always put that in front of my team, you know, that short runway, you know, mm. you know, we just for, for example, you know, we had a few teachers that had some attendance problems. I would always put that runway, you know, you, you've missed these two or three days, look at the impact it has on kids. And so, uh, you know, our attendance at the school um, started out very low. It was about 77%. And so mm. we put some things in place to, get it to 95% over a two year span. And again, it, it's a lot of work, man. And, it, and it's grueling work. And, you know, there were some people along the way that we had to have some, some meetings about, you know, is this a good fit? Uh, because everyone, you know, you know, everybody's not cut out to do turnaround work, even in the classroom level. Mm -hmm. And so uh, being able to have those honest conversations uh, with the folks uh, to let them know these kids are dependent upon us. And, you know, right. uh, and so I always celebrate it though. That was one big thing. We celebrated every single thing. Uh, we did this um, uh, assessment throughout the year, a uh, adaptive computer computer adaptive assessment. And so, as our kids made progress, whether it was one point or ten points or more, we celebrated that. We had a you know most schools that have honor roll programs, only the kids who get A's and B's or citizenship get awarded. Nah, we have programs, man, two three hundred kids getting awards. That's for making progress on their assessment. So mm. all of those things became a part of our culture and who we were. And we celebrated the kids as well as the teachers. So it was it was a cool thing. Yeah. It's it's um it's notable to be able to celebrate as many kids as possible. There's is 
oftentimes, I mean, ultimately the system sometimes is set up to recognize those that are high achieving that get there because of this. And then it's a, a small story that's helped to elevate them yeah. to being seen and being heard. But like, what about those kids that just right under the radar? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They don't, they, they're not the highest performing. They're not the lowest performing. They're not the ones that bring, you know, a whole bunch of attention to themselves, like just being able to recognize and celebrate them as well. Um, right. How, how do you, knowing that that work is as, as challenging as it is, how do you take care of you, you know, in that work? Right. Like, cause not everything is a success, even though I said like, you know, in some in many turnaround situations, the only way to go is up. Like there's still days that you take a couple steps back mm -hmm. um, because not all the decisions that you make are like man spot on. Like man, every decision is hitting. You know what right. I mean? How do you how do you take care of yourself to to make sure that you're good for your team? I mean, and I had to learn that the hard way, man. Um, that self care is very important. And I didn't do such a good job of that. I was always, you know, I would I would work. I will come home and work again. And uh, not until uh, one weekend, um, we're getting ready to celebrate my daughter's birthday. Uh, she wanted to have a birthday party at the American Girl Doll store in Chicago. Mm, and, I've been there, brother. Been yeah. there. I'm a survivor. <laughs> 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 my yeah. my bank account survived. It was yeah. just hanging on there, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And so, man, we're getting ready to pack up and leave. And my daughter... It's her birthday. She stopped. She said uh, at the time, I think Kennedy may have been in second grade. She said, Dad, are you going to bring your laptop with you this weekend? Oh, I'm like, yeah, my laptop. She said, are you going to bring it with me? I said, you know what? I got to stop because I come here. I go so hard. And that just let me know at that particular moment, I'm doing too much stuff at home. I got to compartmentalize that. And so at that point, man, I started leaving work at work. I, I because at the end of the day, I miss still coming home and missing time on hanging out with my daughter because I'm over here sending emails. As my teacher used to call me the midnight emailer. Like, I had to stop that, man. And uh, when I was in Atlanta, I, I thought I knew what to do as it relates to, you know, self-care for myself. And I'm sitting in the meeting, man, and I'd say all this stress. Like I had, again, the school had 17 principals in 10 years. There was a reason why that door was revolving. I had just had a kid who had assaulted a teacher. I had a kid who stole a teacher's car. All this stuff happened in a matter of weeks. So I'm meeting with a parent, you know, let her know our next step based on, you know, what the child did. My heart started beating like 100 miles an hour, man. I'm like, whoa, I had never felt that. And so I stood up and my nurse said, uh, she checked out. She said, you got to go. Go where? You got to go to the doctor. I ain't going to the doctor. I'm, I'm good. And so they got me out of the building, man. And as soon as we pulled off campus, Everything went back to normal. That was nothing but stress, man. Mm. Nothing but stress. And so that just let me know, man. And I tell people this all the time. Even my principals now, you got to learn to unplug when you go home. You got to learn to do the things that keep you going. You know, spending time with family. Like, I love sports. So attend a sporting event or just taking a vacation. Like, I found myself, man, just so engulfed in the work that I wasn't doing any of that. And at the end of the day, you know, my family was suffering because of me. Um, I wasn't enjoying life. I found myself depressed because all I knew was education, working with kids and working with grown folks and doing this and doing that. And like now, man, I'm just, it is what it is. You know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to go hard during the day. And, um, you know, I'm going to 
unplug when I get home. And you just have to do that. Man. Yeah, they always say, like, you can work, what is it, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and never uh, be complete in the work that we do for kids. And it's so true because our kids are growing and the needs change. And then when you – we think about our own kids, right, like – we can't neglect the time that we have with them. And then you go to a school building and you now multiply that times the number of kids you have, you right. Like it's, it is a lot. Um, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, it's as we enter 2024, everybody, you know, January coming, right. Everybody like, cool. What's my new year's resolution It's I call it the 30 day stride, right? Like you, you in it, you locked in, right. you like, all right, cool. I got this thing by February. You like, all right, well, I forgot what I said I was going to do at the beginning <laughs> of the year. Right. Um, but we got a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are not educators, mm -hmm. um, that get a perspective of what we do in the work. Uh, I have people that I have students um, that actually listened to this podcast, which was a humbling uh, experience. I'm like, man, y'all really are paying attention to the work. Um, what what is uh, I guess what's what's the greatest moment, um, you know, for you in in the field of education, um, and what's a moment where you lived unapologetically for kids? And when I say unapologetically, something that you a decision you made. Something that you were like, man, I'm doing this. I'm not apologizing to nobody because I know it's just good work to do. What's the greatest challenge and what's what's the unapologetic moment? Uh, greatest challenge, man, was uh, I'd have to say uh, get into Atlanta and hear everything I'd heard about that particular building. Um and knowing that my skill set for turnaround, I, I felt like I was an expert. And, and the crazy part about it, I had several people who I did not know when I accepted the job were reaching out to me on LinkedIn. Don't take that job in Atlanta. I mean, just people like, don't go. Um, and I'm like, I'm a turnaround principal, man. I, this is the work that I do. I go into those challenging situations. And I met a challenge, man, I had never encountered. You know, uh, didn't have the support that I felt like I needed. And so what do I do as a leader? You know, we don't get the support. We try to be, we try to uh, become more innovative and create those opportunities so that we can do things without the support. Uh, and I put things in place, man. And, you know, people will call downtown to complain and I, I kept hitting the wall. And so man, I just got to the point, man, I said, you know what, if I'm going to be the principal of this ship, uh, we're going to go down Marquis Stewart's way. And so I just continued to do what I knew was best for kids. Um, you know, if I, if I got to go out like that, then that's the way I'm going to go out because I'm going to continue to, to do what's right for kids and make sure that my adults in my building, you know, to me, it matters not how comfortable they are, it's how comfortable kids are. And so I had to make mm -hmm. the best decisions. Mm -hmm. I felt that was for kids. And your other question was the greatest, what was the other one? Challenge? Unap uh, unap unapologetic moment. Um, you know, one where you you kept moving on a decision that was not popular, um, yeah. but knowing that when we are in the work doing the work for kids, um, you I mean, you kind of just said it like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just, just I, I'm not going for me. I won't. I'm uncompromising when it comes to kids. Yeah. You know, I know kids come with great challenges and 
I hear all people say all the time, we are, in most cases, the only hope that they have of being mm -hmm. able to live a choice-filled life. And if we, as adults, don't roll up our sleeves and, and give them our best, then we're contributing to the problem. So I'm just not, I'm not willing to, to be in when it comes to providing opportunities for kids to have that choice for their life. So uh, if, if, if it takes, you know, honestly, getting people off the bus, hey, I'm okay with it. I will go home at night and sleep well, knowing that I'm ensuring that these kids are getting what they need every single day. If this adult is not going to work out, hey, time to go. We can find somebody else. In uh -huh. uh, the day and times, though, you know, people want to leave education like that. So we have to find ways to provide some grace. And you can't Joe Clark them. Uh, in <laughs> yeah, do I don't it. know. I don't know if Joe Clark would have made it in uh, in 2023, boy. That, wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different world. If y'all haven't seen the movie Lean on Me, that's a that's an educator's favorite. If you really want to know what what life is like and the role of a leader, there's some days you have to be Joe Clark, the modern day Joe Clark. But yeah. um, but I, I think yeah, yeah, and I think you know. Uh, you know, the, the, the comments you made about, uh, you know, not if it's not comfortable or is it if it's not comfortable for uh, for our kids, it's not it's not about the comfortability of the, of the teacher, no, uh, the, no. uh, the adult in any in any aspect, regardless of whoever, whatever capacity you serve kids, whether you the yellow limousine driver, the custodian, the kitchen chef the secretary or a teacher who've been in the building for 30 years, you know, if you're not, um, if you find yourself in uncomfortable situations because you're trying to do what's best for kids or you're not doing what's best for kids, like kids got to be comfortable in their learning environment mm -hmm. and, and they got to be comfortable so that they can learn, um, yeah. and, and be their best, their best self, man. Yeah. That's, mm. but I've also man, been in situations where I had to, in a district I worked in, they were, nobody was going to say this, not many people were about kids. Uh, people treated their their job as an educator like a nine-to-five job. You know, mm -hmm. looking in the parking lot, everybody going at three o'clock. Like, who's standing after doing the plan and who's, you know, it wasn't that type of environment. And I sat in a meeting and uh, I was about decisions for kids and the union we were going back and forth about decisions and things, and um, they were, in, in my opinion, this particular individual was anti-kids. And so I brought the question, what about the kids? And his re his response was, what about them? So my blood boiling, man. I'm to the point <laughs> like, you know, I'm about to go back to who I was as a teenager. But, you know, man, I ended up, I got fr so frustrated, man, I walked away from a three-year contract. Walked away. I wasn't willing to uh, compromise, you know, kids for adult decisions that were not in the best interest of them. So I, I walked away from a contract, man. I had three years remaining. Didn't matter, huh. you know. But yeah, I just, I, I have a problem with people who don't, in my personal opinion, care for kids. I just, that's an issue for me. Yeah. How do you, how do you confront um, you come across a, a teacher and just thinking about leadership and thinking about the culture and the culture that you want to exist for your staff and for, uh, for students. How do you uh, confront that mediocrity? How do you confront um, 
people who who don't show up for kids. I think you got to make them uncomfortable. <laughs> mm. um, you know, we, I always start out. We're gonna we're gonna look at data. You know, we're gonna look at performance data. Uh, we will um, just have some dialogue. Uh, my job is always to try to coach you up uh, so that you can uh, not. I'm not gonna say conform, but but do good for kids. And if I have to continue to provide coaching, if I if I have to do it every single day to get you to the point, then that's what I'm gonna do as a leader. Um, but there are some instances where no matter what you do, or what supports you provide, some individuals, you know, they either got it or they don't. And so uh, I've had to have conversations with individuals about, you know, this is just not a good fit. And it's nothing personal. Um, and I, I do it with respect and dignity. I'm never, you know, disrespectful to anyone. Uh, but, you know, and I get to the point where we come to an agreement. You know, either you're here, you're gonna, we're going to help you. Or uh, if you, you, you don't want to be here, then let me help you out. Uh, and that's not always a bad thing. Uh, so I just, I don't, I'm not one to run from conversations like that. Uh, as, as I spoke Saturday, I uh, with Principal Kefele. I'm, I'm really good at engaging in difficult conversations. And a lot of times uh, we come to a happy medium and we're able to work together, but then there's a few outliers where unfortunately it does not work. And we, um, I, I'm in the business about kids. I've been in the business of helping kids and, uh, and I would hope that everyone is standing before kids every day is about that as well. But unfortunately, we do have those outliers that are unfortunately there for a check and not about kids. So if you could um, share, and, and we'll wrap up with this question, man, if you could share um, with those who are listening, who are either who are aspiring to sit in the leadership role, um, if you could share um one thought. What would be a thought that you would share with them? Do your homework. Um, I've, I've made some decisions uh, going into positions where I felt like that I knew what I was doing and I did not do my homework. And I found out, and I'll just be honest, I think I failed in some instances because I didn't do my homework. So if you're considering, you know, stepping into that seat, just know that seat's a hot seat once you get into it. So do your research before even applying, you know, look at how many people have been in that role in the last three to five years. Uh, look at the turnover. If you can find that data, the turnover in staff, you know, understand the district's mission and vision, you know, their strategic priorities. You want to know all those things before you click apply uh, because you don't want to click apply. And then you go into a, go into a situation where you're not a good fit. You know, it doesn't fit uh, work, what you're trying to do as an educator, uh, because it's very difficult nowadays in education. You know, we even have, you know, elementary kids right now, some of the behaviors that we're seeing in elementary, I feel bad for some of our teachers, you know, um, never in a day that I think we would ever need an alternative school for elementary kids. Never thought about that, but it's, it's getting to that point. And so social emotional learning is, 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 is key in that work and uh, supporting our babies. But then we have some that, we got to look at doing something different. I think even from a school standpoint, our schools got to change. But uh, my to close it out, I would just say, do your homework on wherever you're considering going. Do your homework. That's a good word. If um, I'm all about creating a network, man, um, and I, I think uh, Dr. Stewart has definitely shared um, a very interesting perspective. I mean, I... <laughs> 
sometimes I do. I'm gonna be honest. I do some of this this work of of this podcast, man, for my own personal uh, perspective on the field of education, man. Because every episode I have done, I have learned something new, um, something to think about, uh, and I think that's really why this exists, why this space exists. Um, but if if people wanted to connect with you, uh, Doctor Stewart, how what what are the means? Uh, I'm on Twitter all the time at M Stewart M S T E W A R T underscore two the letter U I think something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm on I'm on Twitter quite often. Uh, and if you want to find me on Facebook, I am uh, LaQuinn Stewart L A Q U I N N Stewart on Facebook. Uh, I have Instagram, but I really you know. I'm not really on that. I just go on there and look at things, but uh, mainly I'm on Twitter or X. Now it's called X. X. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what uh everybody. The bird is gone. The X yeah. is there, but uh, man, it's 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 a great platform. Uh, this is how we we connected. Um, this has been like I said. I appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, I appreciate you taking your time to just really share the knowledge. Uh, we don't get to. A lot of people who I have on really talk about their, you know, experiences, you know, within the context of of what they currently do and you being able to share your perspective about a turnaround school, which doesn't get talked about in the greatest light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when people hear it, does it at the end of the day, it's still a school. It, it exists in somebody's community and there's people who pay taxes. There's kids who go there. There's people that work there. Um, yeah. And I think I think hearing the successes and hearing some of the the the. Um, uh, the stories of the journey that you've been on has has definitely been eye opening, man. So I definitely appreciate you for being vulnerable and sharing that, uh, and being on uh, unapologetic leadership. I appreciate that. I definitely thank you for having me on tonight. That's awesome. Well, listeners, there you have it. That was Dr. Marquise Stewart. Uh, I, I appreciate um, you know your, his time, his time, uh, the space to be able to uh, to share some knowledge. If you've um, Wanted to connect with him. I'm gonna run his his uh, Twitter back. It's at M Stewart S T E W A R T underscore the number two U. Uh, mm-hmm. Please connect with him. I reached out to him and he got back to me real quick. And um, just hopping on here to do this thing was definitely a yes. Uh, but it was definitely some knowledge to to drop. You can run this back if there is anything that you need. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I truly, truly, truly hope that you have an amazing ending of your year right before you head off into the holiday break uh, and then coming back for the second half of the year and hope 2024 is a great year for you. Uh, Again, thank you for listening to another episode of Unapologetic Leadership. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode.